Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Innovators Podcast. Today, we are joined by Mike Roof, who is the current Iowa State Chief Technology Officer of Vaccines and Immunotherapeutics. Hi, Mike. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. Um, so, Mike, do you want to kind of explain that, uh, that title and what you do for Iowa State? Sure. Well, it's a new position uh, that was created about two years ago. Um, the state of Iowa decided that there were four areas where Iowa could be global leaders in sort of technology. Uh, one was biochemicals, one was digital and precision ag, one was medical devices, and the final uh, one was vaccines and immunotherapeutics. Mm-hmm. So those were areas that Iowa felt we had a strong commercial basis and a technology um, leadership area. And so they also created in each of those areas a chief technology officer, somebody who had industry experience and could sort of be an interface between the university and industry, help promote that area out, push technology out of the university, as well as sort of work with industry to get funds back in and create more opportunities. So it's been around for a couple years and there's, there's three of us at Iowa State that do that and there's one person at the University of Iowa. That's really cool. Um, was COVID the factor in that, or, uh-huh. or what brought that about for Iowa State to think yeah. about that? No, COVID uh, was not a factor. It had actually kicked off um, a couple years before COVID. So it started with the formation of an organization called BioConnect Iowa, which is an independent group that's involved in uh, commercial development job creation. And uh, COVID was sort of an artifact that... Uh, uh, created different opportunities, but uh, it's it's been around for four or five years, and the CTOs have been on the ground for about two years. Gotcha. Um, so do you think, I mean, you, you worked at BI doing similar work, I'm yeah. guessing? Or? So um, my background is I, I started at Iowa State. I got a PhD with Dr. Jim Roth. Um, I developed some technology at Iowa State that was licensed by a company called Noble, which is a small Iowa startup. And uh, that company couldn't get it to work, and so I was the grad student. So they Mm -hmm. hired me to come fix it, uh, which I did, and was a great opportunity. And then uh, Noble got acquired by Behringer Ingelheim. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I worked my way through the ranks at BI, project leader, scientist, lab manager. And then the last 10 years, I was the global head of R&D. So um, I was in charge of all the animal health uh, research and development and led sites in Hanover, Germany, uh, Shanghai, China, and then uh, three sites in the U.S., Fort Dodge, St. Joe, and Ames. And so had a great experience, got to see lots of different technologies, lots of different ways to do research, um, did a lot of university collaborations. Um, and so the, it's kind of interesting. At, the, at BI, you know, we tried to extract technology out of the university. Mm-hmm. And as a CTO, I tried to push it out. So it's basically the same job with a different lens. Yeah. And so I try to uh, work with industry, find out what they what's value to the commercial space and to industries, and then find partners with the university and connect them. Really cool. So how much does uh, your experience with that then go into your current job at Iowa State? Yeah, well, I, I think a lot. I think that's uh, part of the reason I was lucky enough to get the job. Um, I know how industries work. I know um, what the process is to get things licensed, you know, through a regulatory process in different regions. Um, and I also know that, you know, practicality is important. And so 
what's scientifically interesting and cool may not be commercially viable or relevant. Mm -hmm. So having that background is helpful. Um, and then in, in this role, just the network of, of people of who to contact, you know, is it somebody in regulatory, is it somebody in manufacturing, is it somebody in research? Um, I think that background is really helpful um, as I work with faculty. Another area that's helpful, as faculty do um, experiments or studies, oftentimes I can help them with uh, study design. Hey, if you're doing that, if you added a group, that would make it much more interesting and attractive if we talked to company X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's little nuances, but uh, certainly I, I think anybody that's going to be CTO having some sort of commercial background is pretty helpful. Absolutely. That, that just makes sense. Um, so then, I mean, you said you were all over the globe. What's mm -hmm. that like going all over the globe and then coming back to Ames, Iowa yeah. to work? Um, well, it was a fantastic opportunity for sure to, uh, you know, I was a small town Iowa kid with mm -hmm. Iowa roots and come to Iowa State and, uh, you know, BI was a global company. And so it was eye opening. I uh, have to admit first it was shocking, you know, in a way it's, it's, it's a huge company and coming from a small, small little startup was, uh, took some adjustment, but uh, BI was privately owned. So they, they think really long term. They don't, they're not being held to the whims of the stock market. Uh, and they're they were really committed to research, which was really why I enjoyed and stayed there so long. But, um, you know, the opportunities to work in, in Germany and China provided an entire different lens of how to see research, mm -hmm. uh, cultural differences, technology differences, facility differences, and then access to all these different universities. You know, certainly when, when I was in the U.S., we had strong relationships with Iowa State and Minnesota and Kansas State, a lot of the, the ag-related. But, you know, Hanover itself has a strong veterinary college. And in, in Shanghai, we were, we were connected to all the government institutions. So tremendous opportunity. Um, having said that, uh, I don't miss airports, canceled flights, hotel rooms, and all that. And so yeah. being able to come home to Iowa State and be in this environment is fantastic. Uh, the VPR's office, the research park, um, all of the entrepreneurial infrastructure with Startup Factory, BioConnect Iowa. It's a pretty vibrant, cool place, and so I'm very, very glad to be home. Absolutely. Um, so then, I mean, seeing the different way things are run and the different facilities that are offered, what um, have you made any suggestions or anything to the way we do things here that you <laughs> saw overseas or anything along those lines? Sure. Well, the, um, from a facility point of view, probably not, just because you know, the university's uh, buildings are mostly built. But where I do have an impact is on, like I said, study design. That's more of a regulatory slant. If you do a study this way, I know industry folks would be very interested. But I think where, where I've, that experience has helped me the most is knowing and understanding um, within the marketplace itself what has value so that when we do research on campus, it, it's, it's practical and high value. Mm -hmm. And as an example, um, as you know with COVID, extreme labor shortage. So if you have thousands and thousands of chickens or thousands and thousands of cattle, it's hard to get people to 
vaccinate those, if you have to pick every animal up and inject them, you know, nobody wants to do that. A lot of labor, there's animal welfare issues. And so, as an example, influencing faculty and programs on campus that um, mass vaccination, vaccination through aerosols, vaccination through water, vaccination through automation in the engineering college, those would be examples of where my global experience has maybe helped influence and change the direction here. Mm-hmm. Um, another area is uh, that's been super exciting with the Nano Vaccine Institute. Again, if you have to pick an animal up and you have to, you guys get COVID, yeah. you got to get two doses. Well, again, that's labor. So anything we can do to vaccinate only one time is a big deal. So single dose immunization. So work with faculty in the Nano Vaccine Institute to try to promote adjuvants and technology that allows you to vaccinate only a single time. Mm-hmm. So those experiences I think have um, where I've had impact and also where we've added value. Yeah. Um, kind of taking it back, I guess, what was so interesting about vaccines immunotherapy? Like what drew you into that yeah. field specifically? Um, that's, that's a great question. I grew up in a small egg, little town called Knoxville. And when I came to Iowa State, I wanted to get as far away from agriculture as I could. Mm-hmm. And every time Good I- Good tri- school to pick for that. Well, yeah, that was <laughs> great, wasn't it? But it seemed like every step I, I took away to get away from it, it just pulled me back in. I, there's just something about, um, I call it the war, but the, the war between infectious disease and your body just intrigues me. And it's mm-hmm. so interesting. And I just love to think about uh, you know, why pathogens are successful and, and how we all survive every day fighting them off. Um, and so it's just, uh, I can't explain it. It's just something that makes my heart go pitter-patter. I really like it. <laughs> and uh, so anytime there's, you know, some technology or topic, I just sort of get energized and engaged in it. Yeah. Um, so what would you say is the topic right now that's making your heart go pitter-patter? What? Well, you know, it's, it's nice to see COVID stabilizing. Um, but, you know, these things aren't going away. You probably heard about monkeypox. Um, you know, I don't think monkeypox will turn into anything as significant of, of COVID. But it just shows that these new and emerging diseases aren't going away and mm-hmm. that we need to have tools and systems and processes to address the next one. So, um, again, it, it just fits in, in this whole Iowa bioscience platform. Um, we produce more pigs than anybody in the country, more eggs than anybody in the country. And so, uh, you know, it's important for Iowa to be prepared for new and emerging diseases. And I think Iowa State University is, you know, the key to success, along with the University of Iowa as well. But, you know, Iowa State with our veterinary diagnostic lab and all the faculty, uh, you know, we're the we're, we're on the front lines of all these new things that are going to come our way. Absolutely. Um, so you've been in the field for uh, quite a few years now, what um, what are the biggest changes that you've seen? Uh, I would say a couple things. One would be um, the the speed of technology. So it, just as a simple example, 20 years ago, <clears throat> if you wanted to do a whole genome sequence of a pathogen, there was an organism called Lasonia intracellularis that we sequenced. And that took us about 18 months and we spent about $200,000 doing it. It was a big project. Mm -hmm. Today you could do that same thing in about a week for two or $3,000. Wow. 
Wow. So technology, you know, the, the chemistry and the automation and the equipment, those things that were all really byproducts, there was a large effort called the, the Human Genome Project. And once that got done, all of that expertise and equipment then got applied to other areas, including animal health and crops and, and other areas of eggs. So that would be one. Um, I think the other part that's changed dramatically is just the labor force and the globalization. So, you know, in the 90s, you know, we were sending stuff by fax. <laughs> you know, it, it, does, it isn't that long ago, but it, it seems like that long ago. And, you know, now everybody's on the internet, everything's real-time information, cell phones. And so people think much more globally than they used to. You used to really just worry about Iowa or the U.S. And I think COVID taught us as well that you know, these problems that happen in China and other places, you know, they can end up on our doorstep. People travel all the time. Uh, we're shipping materials across the pond frequently. And so I think those are the two, the speed of technology and just everything's global. Yeah. Um, when you're talking about the speed of technology, it just kind of, rem I don't know, the, the phrasing that you're saying made me just think about the fact that this industry is so diverse among the different colleges like mm -hmm. you really could use so much of the different colleges that Iowa State offers how much collaboration is there between all the different departments yeah that's been a big surprise um, like like we just talked about I collaborated at Iowa State for 25 years I thought I knew everything there was to know and I expected when I got here that I'd do a lot of work at the vet school and a lot of work with the Nano Vaccine Institute and I do what I didn't expect was all the other colleges and how important they were. So we're doing a surprisingly amount of work with the engineering college. There's all kinds of uh, technology and research programs there, uh, new polymers and new matrices that are involved in um, either releasing antigens, sort of next level adjuvants, um, surgical, uh, matrices, skin grafts, uh, and then the other area is on sensors and detection. So there's all kinds of technology on next level detection that's almost instantaneous as well as sensors. Uh, I'll give you two examples. So like uh, Dr. Nielsen Hamilton who's in biochemistry and engineering has an aptamer technology. I think she got her funding from the Department of Defense and it was probably for like anthrax or something like that. But basically these aptamers, these sensors could be put in airports and provide almost instantaneous detection. Well, those things could now be applied to COVID. They could be applied to monkeypox. They could be applied to the next pandemic. Uh, another example would be uh, Dr. Nigel Raoul, who's a engineer. And he's created these, uh, they're called resonance sensors. and. To be honest, I probably can't really technically give them the justification they deserve, but basically they're, they're coils of wire, and depending on the size and the number of coils, each one of them has an individual electronic fingerprint. And so he can put those sensors on bioreactors and fermenters and measure activity inside those sort of sensors. The other thing he can do is he could put them on ear tags of animals and allow each animal to have an individual ID. He can also measure and monitor their movement. Mm -hmm. And so animals that are healthy move more than animals that aren't. If, just like you, if you get the flu, right. you, you lay down and curl up. Animals do too. So, uh, you know, he can, with these sensors, he can provide an indirect measure of animal health just by proximity. 
Um, what are some? Oh, the other one that's a big surprise to me. Um, Iowa State recently got a, I think it was an 18 to 20 million dollar grant for trans translational artificial intelligence and agriculture. I think the institute is called TRAC, T-R-A-C, but it's basically big data, smart learning, and a lot of companies have these massive databases that they've collected over years and years and they didn't have any real way to mine it. And TRAC in this AI group has got a lot of commercial interest to, to develop smart learning algorithms to mine data and, and create solutions that, that they wouldn't normally be able to detect or know. So again, there's sort of this computer AI group, there's engineers, animal science of course is very involved at that school. Um, other than the graphic design at arts college, I think we've worked with almost everybody yeah. in the vaccine space in some way. Well, it's such a uh, it's such a broad idea when you think about it. I guess um, that it, that just makes sense. Yeah. Um, so obviously, vaccines um, are being talked about now more than ever. Um, but where have you personally um, seen the work that you're doing making the biggest difference? My work as a CTO or just in general in animal health? Um, I guess let's go in general with animal health. Yeah. Well, one of the most uh, enjoyable and satisfying parts of working with BI is that you could see your research being translated from the bench to a manufacturing site into customers' hands. And so I had the opportunity to be involved in the development of PERS vaccines, mycoplasma vaccines, Lasonia vaccines. So um, I was able to watch the, produce them, watch them be launched, work with customers to implement them. And you know, many of those products are still used today. And so when I meet veterinarians socially or at meetings, uh, you know, I hear about things that I worked at and you know, sometimes they, they uh, the veterinarians complain they weren't good enough, which is, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, that's hard to hear, but yeah. it, it's true. Nothing's perfect, but it's also, you know, very satisfying to know that what you did is practical and being applied and, and helpful. Um, you know, at Iowa State, uh, I had the chance to work on a salmonella vaccine. I, I told you I was kind of the luggage that went to the small little company. That product's still being sold today, and it's one of the the nation's leading salmonella vaccine so that's fun to watch as well from an emotional point of view is something that you develop in grad school and and has a 20-year lifespan so that's yeah, fun that's really cool um so what is to come for you where what's next what's next well this um to be honest this is a dream opportunity i have it's when you have a position that's new and you can sort of help have a fingerprint of how it evolves and grows it's really fun. I get to work with some incredible people. Like I said, you know, the research park is fantastic. All the Papa John entrepreneurial activity. Um, I'm part of the VPR's office and, and they're an incredibly bright group of people. And then all of the faculty. And so it's just a, an energizing and positive environment every day, something different. But I would say that right now the, the focus for the next year is a couple things. One is to continue to work with industry to bring more money in so that faculty have, have more research efforts focused on vaccines and immunotherapeutics. Uh, the second area is to work up with startups. So there's um, 
whether they're faculty-based or not faculty-based. There's lots of startup activity in that space, and so help them in whatever whatever way they need, whether it's manufacturing, regulatory, or technical advice. Try to have more success in the startup area. Hmm. And then the third part is, um, I would say, training and education. Um, as you know, uh, the more we can have faculty understand the regulatory process and understand the commercial needs, the more likely it is they can steer their research into that direction. Um, and as an example, and you guys have seen some of this, we just opened something in the research part called Cyvax. So Cyvax is a multi-tenant wet lab that's designed to help people in this commercial transition. So it's laboratory space outside of the university, so you can do private work there. Um, the university has invested in about $150,000 of lab equipment that you can use and don't have to pay for. And then there's expertise uh, associated with Cyvax to help you do commercial activity. Um, certainly, I'm one of those, but there's others. Um, Larry Ludeman, who's a former USDA reviewer, uh, is a resource. And then we just hired Donna Molasso, who is uh, got experience at Elanco, Merck, and Zoetis, and she's going to serve as a part-time lab manager. So companies that, or not companies, but faculty or small startups that are kind of in that gap space between commercial success and the idea have a place to sort of get a jump start. So I'll be spending a lot of time there this year and, and hope that that uh, is, turns into something successful. Yeah, we're excited to see where that goes. Um, sounds like you have a lot going on, so that's awesome. <laughs> um, uh, you mentioned the research park, so I'm just going to go, what's what's your experience been with working with the research park? Yeah. So I am a big research park fan. Uh, I came to the research park in 1991 with this small startup. And um, the research part, it's been fun to watch it grow. When I first mm -hmm. came, there was one or two buildings, and now, you know, here we are in the core and the hub facility, and it's phenomenal. But the research park is a tremendous resource for lots of companies, but for a startup, it offers a low-cost place to land. It's flexible. You can, you can get space and grow as you need. And then all the infrastructure around it, whether it's this, this hub building with conference rooms and, and space like that, or technology at the university. Um, it's an ecosystem that, it's a gem of the Midwest. There are very few places in the world that have this sort of setup. And so, you know, as a startup, it helped us grow from concept to something successful. When I was at BI, we were more of an anchor tenant, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, the talent pool in this area, which was is why BI is here, it's, it's People like you, they they want the young graduates, they want the postdocs, they want access to faculty. And um, so that's powerful. And then, you know, all of the programming that goes around it, you know, whether it's Startup Factory, whether it's iCorp, whether it's um, uh, Jim Ross iCab program, which is uh, industry training, all of these things make this kind of a, a really unique ecosystem that's, that's fun to be in. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's cool to see all that. Yeah, yeah I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so 
how we like to uh, end each podcast is by asking our guest how they would define innovation, since we're the Innovators Podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh, great question. Um, I would say innovation is um, a new and different way to solve a problem that doesn't have an existing tool. And that, it, but it, it also doesn't have to be grandiose. Innovations can be small and they can be large. So, you know, a small innovation might be taking an injectable vaccine and making it oral so that you don't have to stick a needle mm-hmm. in an animal. It's relatively small and incremental, but that's innovation. An innovation might also be, you know, something like an RNA vaccine or a DNA vaccine that's, you know, world-changing like right. COVID. So um, I think sometimes people think innovation is only the grandiose stuff, and then they, they kind of back away. But I think there's incremental, and it, it can come in different forms, and uh, probably everybody in them has a little bit of innovation if they, they choose to take the risk and, and go after it. Absolutely. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us, Mike. Um, do you have anything that you want to plug before we <laughs> close out? No, just it's uh, just Iowa State and the state of Iowa has been a, a phenomenal ecosystem for my entire career, whether it was with Noble, whether it was with Behringer, and now here. Uh, I would encourage anybody that hasn't been to Ames to come take a look at it. If you're interested in agriculture, vaccines, animal health, uh, any of the bioscience platforms that we're committed to. Um, it's a business-friendly community, and uh, certainly we're, we're ready ready and willing to bring all the resources we can to, to attract people here. So yeah. thanks for having me, and this has been, been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.